0: This is Marco Royce. This is Shinji Kagawa. This is Nuri Shahin. Hello, this is Jaden Sancho. And you're listening to the Yellow World Podcast. Welcome to episode 405 of The Yellow White Pods. I'm your host Stefan Butzko and today we will talk about Borussia Dortmund's start into 2022. And with that, Happy New Year to all our listeners. And of course to you, Matthias Zug, who is here to join me to start yet another year of madness, insanity, chaos and hopefully a couple of good moments, maybe some trophies. Matthias, how are you doing?
1: Well, happy New Year to you, Stefan. I am um, doing well. I'm sipping coffee and talking Borussia Dortmund, so <laughs> things are things are looking up.
0: Yeah, may may I wish you a happy belated birthday? Since it was just yesterday.
1: Yeah, I appreciate that. We're and that's the last we're going to talk about it because no one needs to know how old I am. But let's just <laughs> say I'm younger than Marco Rosa.
0: Okay. <laughs> well, uh, I'm not entirely sure what your wife gave you for your birthday, I, I saw was some sort of alcoholic beverage, but uh, yes, if she had any German humor, it'd be, it'd be schnapps because you have yes. aged into a schnappszahl.
1: She did actually consider that, but uh, I'm not a schnapps drinker. Yeah, so Irish, might. very good Irish whiskey was a significantly better and safer choice.
0: <laughs> Fair enough. So Matthias, um, obviously everyone knows that you've turned 66 years old now and uh you know the we, we'll just leave You're it at that <laughs> but uh, more importantly uh, uh, we haven't we well, not not new season but a, a new year a start into this a, a year to discuss uh, boris dotman had 3 weeks off and uh we gained two covid cases which is not ideal but uh, i feel like with the omicron variant out there, uh, this is going to be the story of the next, I don't know how many months. You know, Bayern Munich obviously are struggling with it right now. But, uh, you know, since we are both in the US, we've seen it uh, go around in the NFL, NHL and NBA very uh, prominently. And, uh, you know, boatloads of players have been sidelined by uh, Testing positive and I assume the same will be true for German football right now. It's Zagadou and Mario's Wolf who have to quarantine. Uh Zagadou I think had to quarantine in a hotel room in Dubai, uh, where he got it. And uh yeah, I, I don't know if I, I I've I've seen some reactions uh, of people that uh, got a little bit mad, you know, of the I think I I heard arrogance and privilege being dropped that people considering, you know, the pandemic is like on a new high, that uh, footballers think it's a good idea to travel. And uh, yeah, I kind of agree with that a little bit, Matthias. I don't think you should expose yourself to unnecessary risk. But then again, it would be a bit hypocritical because I do spend Christmas with family members. And uh, we all did a little rapid test before meeting. But nevertheless, uh, you know, these things can also be false negatives, and then you give your entire family <laughs> the plague. So, uh, yeah. Matthias, any, any thoughts on on those two cases and Zagaloos in particular, or should we just move on?
1: No, I think uh, people just need to calm down. I mean, uh, whether he goes to Dubai or you go to the supermarket, you know, right now, um, I mean, I had COVID back in October. Obviously, that was the Delta variant. And, um, you know, I am fully vaccinated, boosted, whatever, everything. Um, and it's just, you know, shit happens and, you know, he could have gotten it also just, uh, you know, getting some gummy bears at Reve for all I know. Um, so at the end of the day, I don't, I don't think, it's anybody's place to then get all angry and say, Oh, that's arrogant privilege. It's like, whatever. I mean, it's, it's impacting all of us. Uh, It's impacting everybody. It's kind of like, if you haven't had COVID yet, probably got to get it now. Um, And, or even, I mean, I know plenty of people that it's their second round and despite also being vaccinated and taking all the precautions. So, you know, it's just, it's just the world and wave we're dealing with right now. And so uh, I don't think we need to uh, go after the guy for catching it while he was in Dubai necessarily. Um, again, people are getting it going to the supermarket, so uh, it's just it's just the way it is right now.
0: Yeah, I suppose so. So, Matthias, um, there are obviously also some good news, some long term injuries uh coming to a conclusion if you will. Giorena is back in training and uh I'm not entirely sure what Rose said, but I've read that uh, he might be in the Meshday squad, meaning uh he could you know feature as a substitute in the later stages of the game. Um Mathieu Moret is back in training, which is also very positive after his very gruesome injury. Um, I don't think he'll be an option anytime soon, but nevertheless, uh, it's good for him to just be there. And um, I think the other thing that's positive uh, apart from that is, of course, and I nearly forgot to mention Mokoku who also had injury struggles last year uh, up to no end, and uh, he's back in training as well. Um, but I feel like what this team needed very much also was a mental break because um, I know I needed it uh, as people have maybe uh, <laughs> searched for another episode after they had Hertha game, but I was just too defeated. I was mentally broken. I did not want to concern myself with Borussia Dortmund or Black and Yellow or anything of that matter at all after that game. Uh, that to me was just a punch. Too heavy in the gut. Even though, if you if you look at the at at the points table, basically, you know, Domonranz in second place and thirty four points, I think a good result. You know, has you on track for sixty eight points, which should be enough to qualify for the championship. But it's just, you know, the 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 way it all unfurled. I I think the team suffered a big psychological a uh, psychological blow. With a defeat to uh, Bayern Munich. And even though I think the performance in Bochum was still really good. And they were really unfortunate. But uh, these two events maybe combined. uh, Then led to what what happened against Fürth and then uh, Hertha Berlin. Obviously Fürth was a 3-0 win. And the second Bundesliga clean sheet of the season. But nevertheless you saw players arguing and bickering among each other. And just real frustration coming out on the field. And against Hertha, it was just a really ugly game where Dortmund even did take the lead. Um, Albeit that Hertha might as well have taken the lead considering the uh, defensive cock ups that Dortmund have had previously. But nevertheless, Julian Brandt with a really nice goal, and uh, then he basically plays the ball three times directly to the opponent. And uh, yeah, the makeshift backline minus Hummels, who I think had a flu, and minus Arkanji, um, yeah, who obviously uh, had his knee surgery, uh, yeah, really looked lackluster, and uh, you know, conceding three goals against what was to that date I think the second worst attack of the Bundesliga just kind of broke me because at Berlin I've I've seen them too many times that I care to admit, but every time I've seen them this. Or rather, yeah, this season, I thought they were just horrible, and conceding three goals against this team was just enough for me to to completely shut down. And you know, even you know, we've we've praised I think Erling Haaland a lot for you know really taking the the team by the scruff of its neck and and you know being someone who goes forward with the body language and you know always tries to win. But even he was so out of sorts and frustrated. Uh, with the entire situation that people were already speculating whether this was literally the last game for him in a Dortmund shirt, which obviously, you know, it's not. But uh, I I thought this this game and, and the, the whole vibe going out of 2021 was just so darn negative, even though it wasn't all bad. Um, but it, it just left you with a sour taste in your mouth. And obviously now the next game is against Eintracht Frankfurt, which even if you were... Full of momentum (laughs) and everything is going the right way for you. Um, This is a very tough matchup because I think Dortmund haven't won in seven attempts uh, in Frankfurt. And Frankfurt, I think, have uh, been undefeated in 26 out of their last 27 home games. And uh, yeah, Frankfurt also probably the hottest team uh, leaving 2021. So Matthias... Um, where are Borussia Dortmund at going into 2022? What are your hopes and dreams for this year, and uh, more immediate for this Saturday, which is the Bundesliga topspiel?
1: Geez, dreams and hopes for the year! Wow, that's a <laughs> that's a big one. Well, um,
0: yeah, I, I, you know, we uh, we got to discuss I both. Mean,
1: I mean, if I look at the Macro picture of this season, mm-hmm. um, the completion of the season for Borussia Dortmund. Um, my my hope and dream is, uh, honestly, I would love for Dortmund to win the Europa League. You know, it's like that the the one European trophy that they haven't won, and uh, I really hope they go for it. To be honest, I, I would love. I know we. You know Dortmund kind of ish was eyeing it under Tuchel, um, but then Jurgen Klopp's Liverpool happened. Uh, even though I think uh, no matter who, I, I think they lost to Sevilla. Yeah, I was just going to say also
0: Sevilla. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. No,
1: I mean Sevilla would have. I, I think. Well, I don't know if Sevilla would have beaten Dortmund to be honest at that time. But be that as it may, I, I that's one I would hope, and and another day of Bepoka win would be great as well. Uh, If you can end the season with one or both of those trophies, then it's a huge success. Uh, It's a successful season. I believe Dalton will finish in the top four. Um, I don't doubt that. Uh, I still have a hope uh, for a little bit of a title challenge, but that's just going to be very, very difficult. Uh, Now, at a nine point gap, um, even though I think Bayon will drop points,
0: I don't know.
1: So, well, Dortmund, everyone's going to drop points because it's just going to be another messy season. Uh, Could Dortmund then rattle off a series like they did under Tezic for the last two, three months of the season? Absolutely, they can. Um, And if things hit right at that time, who knows what can happen? But a top four finish, I absolutely believe, will happen. I believe that even last season when Dortmund were not in the top four at this point in time, I was like, yeah, they're going to finish in the Champions League spot. And they did. Uh, They finished in third and had that momentum kicked in a few weeks earlier, they probably would have finished second. Be that as it may for the immediate hope against Eintracht Frankfurt is, um, I mean, obviously the hope is always a win. (laughs) I like Eintracht Frankfurt. Uh, I have a lot of sympathies for that club uh, in that region. It's going to be difficult. Frankfurt of course had a very bad start to the season, um, under Oliver Glasner, uh, but the uh, they definitely caught themselves and are doing much, much better. And I'm sure Adi Hütter wishes he didn't had not gone to Borussia Metro <laughs> at this point. And I'm pretty sure VfL Wolfsburg wishes that uh, Glasner had not left a Champions League Wolfsburg side for a Europa League Frankfurt side, which says so much about both clubs. Um, So it's going to be difficult. Uh, Oliver Glasner at Wolfsburg gave Dortmund a hard time uh, previously, but Dortmund always somehow found a way because it's against Wolfsburg and somehow Dortmund always find a way against Wolfsburg. Frankfurt, a little bit different beast. Um, I don't know what the rules are in Hessen right now in terms of fans in the stadium, yes or no. Berlin not is any the only uh, place that's right. where they would be fans. that's right that's right um so that actually plays to Dortmund's favor in my opinion um it's going to be difficult i mean the winter break came at a good time for Dortmund and honestly a bad time for Frankfurt cuz they had built up such a head of a momentum to pick that up again after a 3 week break Is always a little bit harder to dust yourself off after a slump after a winter break, is easier, in my opinion, Um, just because you've got uh, some healthy legs coming back. And the coaching team actually had time now, excuse me, had time now to sit down and analyze properly analyze without interruption, without having to prepare for the next match for three weeks. And Marco Rosa today in the press conference alluded to that fact that they had time. Finally, this was their biggest thing. They had time to sit down and really go over everything. And hopefully, and ideally they have spotted a lot of the issues at a deeper level uh, than what we are looking at from the outside in, because of course they have the conversations with the players every day and see them in training every day. To get rid of the uh, inconsistencies in concentration, <laughs> uh, that is that was the big theme for Baco Rose in the press conference today. Because of course, people talked about the much maligned backline, which I don't think you should judge Dortmund's defense on the backline that was thrown at Hatta because that wasn't one. <laughs> um, let right. let's be it just wasn't. I mean, you had one player in that back line of and i'm throwing mavin hits so five of the five defensive players only meunier was one that would be a regular starter and uh then you had you know and that's a all, already player. sketchy <laughs> yeah and you had a mid well no i think he's actually very improved and having a an yeah, Uh, You know, but then you have to... It's either Witzel or Chan in central defense. They pick Witzel. Uh, And it's just... Yeah, I mean, you can work on all the concentration, all that kind of stuff, but if you have so many injuries that you're throwing that as a backline together, all the other crap just doesn't matter because you're just trying to survive the day. Um, And... You know, Bayern, I, I sympathize for players that are dealing with injuries or are out with COVID, whether they're symptomatic or not. It's not fun. But I have zero sympathies for Bayern in dealing with a crisis of uh, personnel. I just don't. I just really don't. Um, so with Borussia Dortmund now, hopefully they'll be able to find some form it is unfortunate that Sagadou and Akanji are both missing cuz you're going to have right, Hummels and uh, Pongracic Pongracic who I thought the first time he showed up for Dortmund did well and it's really been downhill since then uh but it's a lot better than the alternative of Axel Witzel or, or Emrejan next to Hummels <laughs> uh cuz <'cause> then Hummels <laughs> is going to fo- make so I th- far
0: you've you've gone to yeah, pronounce the "po" <laughs> in because he's ass, and then the "witzer" yeah. in "witzer" because he's a joke. Yeah. I don't know yeah, if, if your mind is playing tricks know. on you, but uh, I I see what what's going on here, Matthias. <laughs> yeah.
1: It's my my hope is just let's get a draw out of this. Um, my hope is a win. Um, a draw I think would be a good result, uh, especially because Dalton is still coming back from injuries. So that's that's where I'm hoping for, and in Frankfurt are, you know, I mean, they they do lay eggs, so it's not like uh, Dortmund will be without a chance, especially because they do have Marco Royce and Erling Holland in there. Uh, Marco Royce having a great season so far, and Holland is just well, it's Erling Holland.
0: Right, right, yeah. Well, if if I may start with my macro hopes and dreams for this year. Like obviously, winning the DFB Pokal and the Europa League are nice things, <laughs> and uh, in 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 that particular way, I totally agree with you. However, really, my hope and dream is so, and and that's that's something I don't know for for some reason it just sort of clicked in my head, and I feel like, uh, I would love the entire strategy going forward to be make the defense your highest priority, and try to not leak as many goals and see what, what, what needs to be done to, to address that, that issue. Because if you look at the goals against this season alone, um, Dortmund are the 8th worst tied with four other teams as they have considered 26 goals. So if you want their uh, the 11th best defense, if you count it from the other way, um, that's obviously not good enough for a team like Borussia Dortmund I mean they are among Hoffenheim Bochum and Augsburg uh, you know when when it comes to uh teams that have conceded 26 goals and that's just that's just not good enough and to me the number one thing that needs to be addressed now obviously um there are several aspects to good defending one obviously is personnel and I think that's something that obviously needs to be addressed, uh, you know, next summer. And there are no easy fixes just of yet. I mean, we'll maybe drop the name Nico Schlotterbeck at some point, but I do think that uh, you know you have to add a couple more defenders. But at the same time, I also think that uh, your defensive midfield also needs some upgrading. But all that being said, it's obviously more about the cohesion you have as an entire unit that really makes a difference and uh, whether the entire team presses and knows when to press and how to press because marco rose said unequivocally today that he wants his team to press higher and more uh you know with more intensity so you know there are obviously several routes to approach you know trying to defend better one is to sit very deep have deep blocks And, uh, you know, apply a very low midfield press or even more just set traps and then be even more passive as uh, we've seen under Lucien Favre, for example, for for stretches. Um, And the other route is obviously to counter press as soon as you lose the ball and, uh, you know, rain (laughs) hell on your opponent uh, whenever you don't have the ball and, and play with some real intensity and uh, and hope you get the ball before the opponent uh, or plays your pressing. Otherwise, uh, you're going to be wide open, as uh, we have seen impressively under Peter Bosch, for example, but uh, obviously also in the, in the club time. But um, all that being said, uh, I really just want uh, Dortmund to, to pick one. And I think Rose is right in saying that, uh, you know, it, it suits Borussia Dortmund better to take the latter one, to take the more aggressive route, to have a good counter pressing. Because when you team of Borussia Dortmund's caliber on paper in the Bundesliga, you will always be in second place, and that means against sixteen other teams, you should be, um, you know, either either at at one level or uh, the the better team. So that means you will have a lot of possession anyway. And in that regard, it just makes sense to to apply a good kind of pressing because you would be uh, trying to win back possession high up the field. So I, I think um, this is something that needs to be worked on. And I think Rosa has said this is something he wants to work on. Now, the only question is if they still have success given the personnel they have and obviously, uh, you know, all this... the. the, the personal problems, you know, because I think if you want to apply a very aggressive style of play, you need some consistency um, of players. Obviously, uh, in the later stages, when you have achieved it with your best 11, you obviously want it to function on on a level that uh, you can slot other players in and out, and it still works the same way, but uh, Domona far cry away from that. So, um, yeah, this is basically my number one issue. I want Dortmund to really cut down on goals conceding. I don't really care about their offensive swagger, just now, to be honest, obviously, scoring goals is nice and sort of the point of the game and why we all watch um but if Dortmund can concede say ten fewer goals a season or twenty <laughs> that that's sort of my main thing. I want to see change and where I want most of the, the the you know brain trust to go in, if if that makes sense. And obviously the other thing I want out of this season is actually not Dortmund related; it's Frankfurt related. Because if I look at the at the table as of now, um, uh, it, it's nice to see Freiburg and Leverkusen there, but uh, Hoffenheim are also around. And uh, I think of all these teams, uh, Frankfurt actually has the best shot to qualify for the Champions League. Football and and do something cool with it, and uh, also one of those teams or clubs, um, that I want to establish themselves as a bit of a I don't know Champions League team, more of a regular. Since you know I've recently talked with a friend about it, you know the the old uh, traditional clubs that that were in the Champions League, so like Schalke or Bremen, etc. They are all in the second division now, or or Hamburg. So we need other traditional clubs big clubs to to fill that void and so far it's been Leipzig, Wolfsburg and yeah sometimes even Hoffenheim who have qualified in the top four and it's just not to my liking and you know I can also do very much without Leverkusen if I'm perfectly honest so if we get teams like say Frankfurt or Cologne or whatnot to to fill that void that would be very cool and um you know to to make it back to saturday's game i actually wrote down some notes as i watched uh, the frankfurt games uh at the end of last year <laughs> it's it's a bit like uh, finding a fiver in, in your winter jacket once you get it out of the closet again and so uh, what i wrote down in very very general terms is they press collectively they create compactness they help each other out they play hard, one-three 11 They play physical. They read the game well in order to avoid unnecessary risk, and they're cheeky with attempts from range. So these are just a couple of general observations I had about Frankfurt, and uh, I feel like a lot of things I've just listed there are things that are missing from from Dortmund so far this season. So um, Matthias, obviously I think they will be without Lindström because of COVID, um, but Frankfurt are a team that have found. Uh, Their swagger, nevertheless, once they had this very lucky win away to Walter and more on that on a second. But um, what kind of game do you expect um, if Frankfurt can indeed conserve the form they showed toward the end of the year?
1: Well, I think the theme is going to be intensity, counterattacks, defensive solidity toughness, robustness, I'm not going to say dirtiness, but robustness. Uh, Glasna's Wolfsburg was the same way. They didn't shy away from a crunching tackle. Um, And, uh, you know, that's, Dolman aren't a, aren't a physical team. Uh, That is one way to counteract Dolman is to be physical. And, with Dortmund not having a Thomas Delaney as an example, uh, that's just one less that type of player. Whereas <laughs> I see players like Guerrero. I think Guerrero is a very soft player, personally. Um, he, uh, both physically and mentally, I think he's softer. Whereas an Emrejan, Dahoud, Meunier, Reus, also Haaland, they're not soft players. I think Dorgan Azad is a softer player. He's a good presser. Uh, but he's not a physical player. Uh, Julian Brandt is not a physical player. Gio Reyna is not a physical player. So that's where the Bellinghams, the Johns, the Dahouds, Royce, Holland, and so on, they come in and they need to do the job because, again, uh, the other ones simply won't. It's not in their DNA. They're not going to do it. Now, the one area that Dalton just need to... Uh, make sure that they're tight on is Dortmund's right side, because that is Frankfurt's left side. (laughs) And anybody who watches five minutes of Eintracht Frankfurt knows that a lot, I mean, a lot of their danger comes in the form of one player on the left side by the name of Philipp Kostic, uh, who has haunted Dortmund in the past when he played for Hamburg as well. So, I'm glad he's not on Dortmund's left side because I think he would just, he would wreck Guerrero. He would absolutely wreck him. I have a little bit more hope for Thomas Meunier because Monier actually can play defensively, can be a little bit more robust. It can break down a little bit. Obviously he's not a playmaker. He's not to that level. Um, but Kostic does leave space behind him, which is an area to exploit but in an attacking sense, so much of Frankfurt's momentum comes through Filip Kostic. I mean, it is the name that gets said, I feel, just over and over and over again uh, for Eintracht Frankfurt. And so uh, them not having Lindström, who really has come on strong towards the end of the Hinrunde, I think that that does hurt Frankfurt. And and helps Dortmund a little bit. If they can, if they can shut down or at least contain Flip Kostic, um, I think that will be a key battle, a key area for Dortmund uh, to kind of figure things out. How they set up, that's the, I mean, that's again the danger if they're going to go with a four four two diamond, they're then, then Meunier is one-on-one with Kostic virtually the entire match. If yeah. they shift to a four-two-three-one or a four-three-three and they play a little bit wider and you double up on the wingbacks, then I think Dortmund can have a very good day.
0: Yeah, I, I think Dortmund needs to solve the Kossage problem collectively because that is the only way. You have to treat it like peak Dortmund dealt with Iron Robben where you not have just Schmelzer deal with him, but you have Großkreuz there too, basically, is what I'm trying to say. And you know, Frankfurt do have some personal woes. I mean Da Costa is out too, so um that I think is going to be a bit of a problem. Um if I'm also not mistaken, uh one of their most influential players this season um is is out. It's uh Jakic uh who is I don't know who's he on loan from, I think from Dinamo Zagreb or so, but uh he and DiBrilso in, in their midfield to, to build the double pivot have been really great. And, uh, I feel like, you know, with, uh, Jakic really finding his groove, a lot of things changed for Frankfurt as well. Because I think in, uh, in recent years, Frankfurt's brand of football was, if you want to call it that, smash mouth football. And, um, I Feel like under Glasner in the, in the first couple of months they have lost it a little bit. A little bit, um, also trying to go back to back four because it's sort of uh, Glasner's preferred system didn't really help them, but uh, I think he's ditched that. Uh, and <laughs> it, it's funny that the first 10 games of Frankfurt, um, they've only won a single one, and that one win came against Bayern, which was a bit lucky, but nevertheless, I think they take it, and then uh. In the last seven games, they won six out of seven. I think they had a loss against uh, Hoffenheim. And what's interesting uh, about these two periods, if you will, is that, um, you know, they scored only 10 goals in the first 10 games. And, uh, you know, I think they accumulated an expected goals of 11.9, ago, according to FBref. Ref. And in the last seven games, they scored 17 goals while accumulating a ex- G total of uh, 11.8. So almost matching that accumulation of the first ten, and overachieving their xG by five point two. So um, what what that tells me is uh, obviously <laughs> you can say they gotten a little bit luckier, but it's also just um, you know a, a little bit of more confidence and and flow coming back to this team. And uh, in in that regard, it's unfortunate that uh, Lindström uh, is is out because he I think scored the four goals that he had. Um, in the final five or six games, I think he opened his scoring account finally in uh, in Freiburg, um, which was a very prominent win for, for Frankfurt. Um, yeah, so it's not all great for Frankfurt either coming into this game. Um, but I still do think that Dortmund really will miss Akanji. I think that's that much is clear. I'm really glad that uh, he's not out for that much longer, to be honest. But uh, yeah, still a very hurtful absence and uh, it's also good to finally find out that uh, what his surgery is was some sort of meniscus surgery. I personally didn't hear that before this week. So, um, you know, at, at least that shouldn't take him out for a very long time and I think he's going to be back, to be back soon. And uh, <laughs> I think those three games without him really have shown how much Dortmund miss him and uh, how vital he is. Um, but yeah, back to the the Frankfurt point is that uh, I I I agree with you. I think hostage is obviously the the, the main source of um of of uh, creation. But I also wouldn't sleep on on Kamada to be honest, because I think he is a very intelligent player as well, and um, you know he is not one that gives the wall a, away cheaply, like say Julian Brandt against Zerter, Um and he can play a very mean through ball. So, shutting down just the left side of Frankfurt, I don't think is, is going to be enough. But more importantly, I think we've already spoken about it is that Frankfurt just hit you in the mouth right away. And uh, <laughs> they're relentless. They don't stop for the 90 minutes. That I think is the most impressive thing Um, that they managed to, uh, you know, sort of close out the Hinrunde. Of of uh of the season and uh, you know really play harsh attacking football and and really you know bring pain to opponents while also qualifying on top of their Europa League uh group which is not easy and uh, so they deserve a lot of respect that they haven't just turned their season around in the Bundesliga but at the same time uh managed to have some success in Europe so that's um to me. Uh, very impressive, and I really hope after losing to Dortmund again uh, that they play a very good season. So um, there's that, uh, Matthias. Do you do you think that uh, the reintroduction of a having Jude Bellingham back in the lineup and B hitting the reset button on also players like Haaland, who silly he looked a bit discontent there against Heta, Uh Do do you think that? Uh, this will sort of help Dortmund come out of the game, about uh, come out of the gate swinging. And on top of that, I might just ask, how do you think Dortmund should replace Akanji in the back line? Should it be Pongračić? Should it be John? What do you think?
1: Well, I mean, it's kind of got to be Pongračić. Uh, I mean, at least he's a, a learned central defender. Um, he's. The key thing is make sure he's on the right side not on the left side um <laughs> uh make make sure Hummels uh plays on the left side um and then i think you know obviously you don't play Vitzer uh, i think that's obvious Emirjan, i i love Emirjan. i mean he's kind of psycho and <laughs> and i enjoy that about him but that's not exactly what you want from a central defender i think pongracic would be uh is the better option really is the only option in my opinion um being next to hummels he won't be asked to really be the fulcrum of build up play um what will aid hummels on his side is the fact that you'll have guerrero there uh which obviously is a huge part of build up play for dortmund and then with Pongracic also being faster than Hummels, on the Kostic side, I think, would be beneficial. Uh, obviously, if he struggles, then then you make the change. Um, and it's John or nobody. But for me, the, the bigger issue is shutting down um, Frankfurt earlier. And that is, you know, controlling those half spaces where Kamada... Uh, and previously Lindstrom, uh, Kamada uh, flourishes and the Kostisch side. So for me, the way you do that, you already mentioned, you know, Großkreuz and Schmelzer. <laughs> uh, so uh, the way you would do it is Meunier and Reus. I think if you put Hazard or Daniel Mayen on that side, Meunier may as well be playing alone. Hazard a little bit less, but Daniel Mann, definitely, and so you'd be doing no favors. Uh, that does naturally create an overload on the other side for Frankfurt to look at. But if Frankfurt's other wing back is Timothy Chandler,
0: um, I'm willing to take that risk. Yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, you have to play the numbers and the odds. That's just how how it works in any sport. You will try to uh, leave the one player open. That's uh, you know, likely to cause the least harm, and obviously, every now and then, even those players have a great game and you know, screw over whatever you had planned. This happens, but uh, I, you know, I I think you're right here. And uh, one more point, I wanted to make sort of our listeners aware if they are if they're not already, which I think most of them are, anyway. But um, I'm really intrigued to see Mats Hummels's form this year. Um, because traditionally Mats Hummels after World Cups or Euros or any sort of international tournament um, has dropped off in form severely. That's not new, That that's not exclusively um, this season. That's always been the case. I still remember a quote for Jürgen Klopp that, you know, jokingly, we all had to wait for Mats Hummels to uh, find the will to play football again, basically. And... Uh, Yeah, Uh, so so my hope really... Yeah, but
1: it was also specific after the 2012 Euros when it's like the media decided and Löwf decided that Hummels was to blame for that performance against Italy and basically didn't play him for a while. I think there was more at play than just the tournament it's true. in his legs. I think there was the psychological knock-on effect from that match against Italy that played into it there as well. But your point is still the same. Yeah, I mean, my, my point is that was the I same think he, way. Is,
0: he is mentally fatigued after these tournaments, to be honest. I don't think he the, the physical aspect of Mats Hummels is that prevalent, to be honest. I feel like he just needs more you know, head, head breaks, if you will. Agreed. Absolutely. And we've we've seen it after the the World Cup too. I mean, uh, it's 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 just what it is right now. And uh, so I do hope, even though we're just, it was a short break, and um, you know, you never also know what goes on in the private lives of all these people, to be honest, uh, and all all these factors. But uh, you know, just to to uh, analyze it as as simply as possible, I just hope that the break did them. A world of good and uh, you know the uh, issue he has with the patella tendon to make it uh, a, a, about a more physical aspect uh, also probably uh, you know a break only helps in, in that aspect too so i really do hope that Mats Hummels, um can find to a better form now and i also hope that do finds some form at some point this year because i do think that there needs to be more rotation going on from uh, at, at the back line even though it's something you you don't like to do but I think it's necessary and uh, for that you need proper options and Dortmund don't have that right now so um, yeah, just, just in in that regard obviously so um, yeah and, end of uh, thought it was a very good thought Stephen. I'm very <laughs> proud of you <laughs> Yeah, do you have any other thoughts, Matthias?
1: Well, I mean, the fact that Lindström isn't playing um, is actually a big deal because if you, as as good as uh, sorry as Frankfurt have been playing, um, their their depth is an issue when it comes to quality. I mean, uh, if I just look back at the match against Mainz, who came on for Kamada and Lindström, it was Ache and Ilzanka. Um, Ahe came, coming in from the Eredivisie. I think he played for Sparta Rotterdam. Um, you know, still kind of wait and see. Uh, what comes of him? He's still a very young player, but so far I haven't been impressed. And Ilzanka is Ilzanka. I just, I mean, he's he's okay, but he's not going to be a quality improvement. So it'll be curious to see how they decide to do that. Maybe they drop uh Boré further back uh, or bring in Paciencia. Paciencia is also kind of mm, okay. So that that that's really where things tend to um break down for Frankfurt. Now, where their strengths are, you'd already mentioned it. Rode, so, and a very good, very experienced backline of Hintaega, Hasebe, Ndika, and Trapp. And so it's that's going to be the interesting thing because you're looking at a core there. If we just look at those five defensive players ignoring Kevin Trapp right now. Dortmund really love to go through the center. And if you're looking at this, you're like, that's probably not the best place to try to go through Frankfurt. <laughs> it is through the middle. Um, I think exploiting positions behind Kostic and, you know, if on the other side you're facing Timothy Chandler, who I just don't think is that good of a player. I think that's really where Dortmund, they need to stretch this game. They need to stretch Eintracht Frankfurt Um, in, in Eintracht Frankfurt's defensive third. Uh, if they don't do that, if they try to force small, intricate, central passes, they won't get through. This will not end well for Dortmund. If they can stretch them at pace, because Hinteregger and Hasebe are not exactly pacey players, then I think Dortmund can do really well. So it'll be very interesting to see what formation... Um, uh, Marco Rosa picks and how those players decide to play. If you're going to play with people out on the wings who all constantly want to cut inside, then you're not going to achieve your need for uh stretching it because on the left-hand side, you also have Guerrero. And what does Guerrero love to do? He tucks inside. He tucks centrally and play makes from there. That's going to be difficult when you're facing that core of five... More defensive, physical, robust, well-disciplined, well-positioned players that are going to knock the crap out of you. Um, That's, I think, will be an interesting thing to watch because Dortmund, it doesn't really matter who the coach is. We can go back to Tuchel, um, where Dortmund constantly try to feed things right through the middle. And when the opponent sits tight centrally, it tends to break down. Don't want to have all the possession in the world. They have 70%. I expect them to have high possession numbers against Eintracht Frankfurt. But if you're getting 60 to 70% possession in five shots, then it just doesn't matter, uh, especially if those shots aren't aren't really that good. So that, for me, will be interesting. If they can stretch the play, that'll also open up positions for Erling Haaland and Donnie Mahlen and Marco Reus. But if they don't, then this could be a very long evening.
0: Yeah, yeah, but, you know, it's nice to have options late in the game. This is something I'm actually looking forward to, and I know Marco Rose is also not a coach that likes to substitute early, but, you know, now I, I think this this can be a change, and maybe maybe Dortmund are lucky and don't have a million bouts with COVID, and maybe, the, you know, they can spare a couple, you know... In injuries uh, and you know Mokoko is back um, Hazar is back and obviously uh, if you will Marlen is also back in the sense that uh, he finally arrived he found his scoring boots and that gives Dortmund a lot of options also in the latest stages of the game and I think uh, especially in Frankfurt that will be very important what changes and adjustments can you make to sort of uh, stem against their barrage of of attacks in the last twenty minutes, how can you keep them busy uh, around their own goal? Because of, I think that's very necessary. If if Dortmund just sit back and let Kostic run and uh, you know he uh, you know, just clear cross after cross and then uh, Frankfurt can just vacuum up all these second balls, <laughs> it's not going to be pretty. Dortmund are not that kind of team that can. Uh, uh, you know, d- defend and, and sustain that sort of pressure for a long time. So I just do really hope um, that they manage to to push Frankfurt back, even though that means they are susceptible to counterattacks. I still have that scenario. Uh, I, I prefer that scenario over the other one I just described. So yeah, in in that regard, I just really do hope that Dortmund adds a, a bit of uh, pizzazz <laughs> late in the game. Now, obviously, you have no idea what kind of form and shape Mokoku is going to be in uh same cons for Reina and uh you know but what we have to find out we have to play these players and and give them minutes and give them the chance to to find back uh, to their form and uh, I just uh, pray that it goes well <laughs> basically um but at the same time I'm also just excited to see all these players back and and really hope that uh, especially for Mukoku that uh, 2022 will be more of his year than 2021 Especially the the latter part, and for Giorena, I think it counts the same. Uh, I think the expectation on Giorena was really high, especially with the exit of Jaden Sancho, and uh, he didn't quite last very long. I think un- until the first international break, and uh, you know the early glimpses this season of him obviously have been positive because he's a good player. And uh, you know sometimes I feel like uh, he has been forgotten a bit that he is also out. Uh, when uh, people sort of count through the numerous injuries that Dortmund sustained throughout the season I, I think if he had been fit and healthy Dortmund's attack would have had a much better flow and structure to it uh, so I do hope that now Rosa can mold him into a, a much better player than uh, he was at the beginning of 2021 and uh, yeah it's a lot to ask because he's still relatively young and he just came off a very long injury, and you have to be super careful because it was a muscular injury as well. Um But uh, nevertheless I think Girena uh should and must have a really good year now. <laughs> and uh yeah, that's that's all I have to say about this, but uh, yeah, the the attacking options are there again. That's very good. And uh the fact that Dahoot is is healthy again. That you have John. You can play in midfield. You have Dahoud, who can play in midfield. Uh, Brandt, uh, in general, has has an upswing in form unless he completely loses his focus. Um, I I think Dortmund right now are set up pretty well. And you know, minus the Akanji injury and uh, not having Zagadou is obviously also not ideal. And uh, Marius Wolf, you know, could have been the curse of the X, if you will. So, um, these are a couple of downers, but, you know, I assume, and maybe I'm completely wrong, that, uh, Erling Haaland will be a complete beast again after, uh, falling off a little, and I also think that Marco Reus' really good form will continue. So, in, in that vein, I'm not completely pessimistic about Saturday's game, but, um, it's going to be very difficult to win in Frankfurt. And if Dortmund pull it off, I'm going to be very happy because that A completely kills the uh, the, the sour taste in my mouth I had from the Hertha game. And it just uh, is promising for uh, this year. I feel like uh, if Dortmund showed a similar face they showed uh, in against Fürth and in Berlin... Um, you know, I'm just going to be even more grumpy and that's not what we want, do we? So Matthias, um I think it's time for scoreline predictions and uh since I've uh you know talked myself into some optimism here, I'm just gonna go first and I'm going to say that don't want to win this three to one. What is your prediction?
1: Well, I have also talked myself into optimism. Uh <laughs> yeah. um, we never learned no, I do mean, we? Never. <laughs> No, no, never, (laughs) never. Um, Yeah, you know, my gut is saying like a two-all draw, to be honest. But, you know, the more we talk about it, the more you go into details of analysis. I'm going to be hopeful and say we're going to start 2022 off in a positive vein and Dortmund will win this. 2-1 Two to one with an Erling Haaland brace.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, when he scores, he rarely, rarely scores only once, right? <laughs> Either you contain him fully or not at all. I feel like is what the theme about Erling Haaland is. So uh, yeah, I w- why why not? So Matthias, um, we've teased it at the beginning a little bit and. Uh, it's a transfer window right now, and uh, I regret to inform everyone that uh, Roman Burki is still an employee of Borussia Dortmund, um, which in itself is not bad. It's always good to have good keepers on, on board. He's by no way a bad keeper, but uh, I think the future is clear. It's, it's Gregor Kobels, and uh, he obviously needs to leave to free up some uh, salary, salary sp- space. I would make the same argument for Axel Witzel, who... Uh, I think his uh, time to leave Borussia Dortmund has come. Uh, I think there was a successful period, but that has come to a halt. And um, yeah, I I don't think before these things happen, anything else really will happen. Um, So Matthias, I'll be honest, my optimism for for either of those things happening is very, very low. I have not read a single credible rumor of either players leaving. I don't even think they're really trying hard to get rid of Witzel right now and uh you know Roman Bürki is also sort of in a holding pattern right now where I think there was something with uh Saint Etienne but that went poof since they signed another keeper so um Sebastian Kehl also said that don't expect much to happen in this winter break I think the uh the consequences of uh, uh, yet another COVID wave and no fans uh, attending games and the loss of that revenue also plays yet another constraining factor. So, you know, I don't really love talking about transfers because it bores me un- un- until it really happens. Um, but I also don't think there's that much to talk about, to be quite frank. You know, there obviously players of interest like Zakaria, we've talked about him. Uh, Schlotterbeck, obviously... Uh, also really intriguing and a player I would absolutely love to see Dortmund sign but I think it's rather going to happen in the summer than the winter Um, what's your take on all of this?
1: Well I mean if we just look at uh, Transfermarkt open that up as far as rumors about who could leave Um, obviously there's a crap ton of reports on there about Erling Haaland that's to be expected but he's not going anywhere until the summer because any team that is dumb enough to try to buy him now, well, God bless you. Um, but as far as players leaving, it's a whole lot of Buki and Witzel. A little bit of Bellingham, but he's not going anywhere right now. Rigny, about going back, basically told me, like, yeah, this is not going to work out. Uh, Real Madrid, you can have him back. We want to get out of this. Uh, one weird flyer in there, Stefan Tigges to Bochum, uh, which I know... Bochum wanted... No, Köln wanted him in the summer, actually. Uh, Maybe as a loan option. But I I think, you know, that's not going to happen right now because you can't just not have any strikers behind Holland. And with Birki, again, you said Sotetien. That has fallen through. The other one is Karabakh, uh, which I believe is Azerbaijan. Uh, If memory serves me correctly, which... Yes. Yeah, which so... Shinji Kagawa was a brace. I was there in the stands. Yeah. <laughs> um and Witzel the only rumors around him had been circulating were Juventus and Barcelona. Uh which is okay. interesting okay. choices. Um Juventus I could actually see Barcelona would be an odd one. Uh be that as it may, it's not looking very positive. Um there as far as players coming you already mentioned them. You know you look at likes of Zakaria Ariemi, Schlotterbeck, Josef Yusuf uh, from uh, Rapid Wien. These are all quality players. I think that would benefit Dortmund. I don't. The only one of those that I can honestly see in the winter would be Dennis Zakaria because he has said he's leaving Gladbach. He's not going to renew his contract. Max Eber has confirmed that. Neither is Ginter, so, by the way. Interesting. Neither is, is Gint Neither is Ginta, <laughs> uh, who is being linked with. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Don't I forget
1: who right now.
0: No, <laughs> no I, I, I want to say I've, he was, I've asked Lars in private what yeah. he would make of this transfer, and basically just said fuck no.
1: <laughs> no, no. I think he actually got linked with Juventus, yeah, uh, that makes more which sense. That actually could work for both. Um, as far as uh, Zakaria uh, selling him now in the winter is the only chance Gladbach have to get any cash out of him. Uh, Gladbach are not going to qualify for Europe. I think we can we can assume that safely. So cashing in on him right now would make sense for Gladbach who have a lost season, but it comes down to wage budgets. And I know, you know, I see this kind of shit on Twitter all the time. We're like, whoa, but Dortmund sold Sancho for so much money. Uh, they should just buy more players. Dortmund lack ambition because they don't spend, spend, spend. This isn't the fucking Premier League, okay? Um, and the fact that Dortmund are losing so much match day revenue due to COVID, that's 20, 30, 40 million euros a season that they are losing right there, and that's not selling or buying players, that's just fans not attending, Um, is huge for Dortmund, uh, because that's not just ticket sales, that's concession stands and merchandise on match days. Um, Steph and I have both been to Dortmund Games. The fan shop is packed, and that all of that goes away, and that's not, 2 million. That's 20 to 40 million at a bare minimum that they lose through that. Well, I mean, so, the, the
0: good news is they're no longer making a major loss on uh, you know offering free ice creams to journalists because I pounce on that very hard. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, I've I've also had some free ice cream there before and it's very yummy and, and so did my son. But be that as it may, um, that all has to go into consideration. If you look at Burke and especially Witze, um, they're high-salary players. Dortmund don't even care what they sell them for. I mean, they'd probably let them go for pennies. I mean, maybe even for free at this point if they can just get rid of that wage constraint, and then you can afford to bring in Zakaria. because, and I have this had this debate, and this is really why I decided pre-Christmas, you know what, screw it, I'm just going to go on a Twitter hiatus until the new year, <clears throat> unless there would have been major news for Dortmund, because you get into these stupid arguments, people just spend, 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 spend. Like, yeah, if you've only been a fan of Dortmund's for like eight years or 10 years, I remember 2005, very, very vividly. And so does Vatskin Roba, who were there, and Kiel was there at that time, and Zama, who was around at that time. Like, this... This club cannot afford to do that kind of stuff because they need to be able to afford the future. Dortmund were in a so-called arms race with Bayern before, and it almost broke the club to the point where it didn't exist anymore. Don't ever do that again. I don't care if it means Bayern run away with the title. It's better that than you bankrupt the club again. So, th- without Bjorki and Witzel leaving, at least one of them, there's not going to be anybody coming right now in the winter. That's just not going to happen. Summer, totally different deal. Holland's going to be gone. Bjorki, Witzel are going to be gone by then. Again, I do believe Holland's going to leave. I, I, You know, this whole rumor about them being in intense conversations, maybe to up that release clause, but that's about it. Um, I hope Bellingham stays. I can't say one way or another to be perfectly honest um, so the summer will look different but right now in the winter unless Buki and or if it's leave no one's coming in
0: Right, yeah that's pretty much what I said to be honest and uh, yeah uh, it's it's kind of cute that Dortmund sort of wants to sit down with Haaland and uh, wants a decision by February which is nice you know to have a clear sort of decision either he you know, stays or leaves, but, uh, you know, I, I'm not kidding myself about this, you know, and <laughs> friend asked me, you know, we were talking about how it's it's difficult to root for players these days because, you know, they're going to be gone soon, but uh, that being said, I you know, Haaland is going to be the best striker in the world in the foreseeable future, and uh, he's... And a fantastic, spectacular player and it's just very nice to have him on the team because he could have picked any other team to make the next step to on, on his path to glory, to basically. And uh, it's nice that it's Dortmund and, uh, you know, b- because that does two things. A, it makes Dortmund more fun to watch and B, he's not going to Bayern <laughs> because he's developed so well in Dortmund that I don't think Bayern can afford him and I think they've said it that, this much themselves and to me that's a a major relief to be honest um, so one thing I want to say is just try to enjoy it while it lasts because it, it's going to end and I think Dortmund will find a suitable replacement, hopefully I mean they have a couple of duds too when it comes to the striker position but in general I want him to focus on the defense anyway, uh only to say that and then complain about the lack of attack uh in in the post Haaland era. But um you know, being tormented by uh, Robert Lewandowski in a Bayern shirt for I don't know how many years now. Uh is not nice and so I appreciate not having that same th- you know thing come again with with Haaland's uh, to to haunt me. So I really hope that he's going to I don't know Real Madrid or so. That I think would be a good destination for him, and uh, that's that. Uh, and I also would appreciate if a decision can be made public of where his destination actually is uh, sooner rather than later, so we don't get a fucking push on our mobile phones uh, about Erling Haaland's future every freaking day. Uh, you know, that's that's another thing that'd be nice. So um, yeah, that's that's all I pretty much have to say on that subject. Um, obviously, if if Dortmund could uh, sign Sakaria and get rid of Witzel in midfield, that, that would make a major difference. Uh, you know, just just uh, you know having some more robustness in midfield and someone that uh, I think also just suits Rose's style or attempted style much better you know, just, uh, that, that will be a major boost, but right now I don't really see it happen and, um, it's going to be, it's going to be obviously difficult to, to make it happen because getting rid of Axel Witzel in, in this economy <laughs> is going to be hard as well. And, uh, yeah, I don't think that Barcelona are that quite stupid, to be honest. Um, so yeah, uh, you know, when we talk about Witzel, we also talked about the, uh, the decision to join Dortmund it was to be closer to his actual home, to be, you know, closer to Belgium. And, um, yeah, I don't see any more clubs in, in that sort of region that would have a serious interest in, in Witzel. So, um, yeah, m- maybe something will come up and pop up, but uh, my hopes for that are just very low and I think... The squad will just continue into uh, the next year as is. That's that's my prediction right now. Maybe I'm wrong, and uh, every anything can happen in this business. But for now, uh, I think Dortmund will just lay low, and that's it. I agree. All right. Fortunately. Yeah, yeah. I I know. I, I feel like a, a couple of transfers in there would would uh, add some excitement, spice things up, and uh, you would also just. Feel like there's movement in the overall in the, in the macro planning of what Bursa Dortmund's face in future might or can be, but uh, yeah, disappointingly, I don't think it's so. So uh, with that, Matthias, I think we can also just knock it on the head here, and uh, you know, do do the outro. Unless uh, you have any other New Year's resolutions you you want to infer for Bursa Dortmund. <laughs>
1: No, I think that pretty much covers it. Okay,
0: good, good. All right, then, Matthias, please tell our listeners where they can uh, find your Twitter hiatus, (laughs) which is never really real. You just, you just sit scrolling. Uh, I
1: just, I just didn't, yeah, I didn't scroll anymore. I'll still occasionally say what I think, Uh, like crypto and NFTs, like (laughs) um, Or wish people a a happy new year, but uh, it's the scrolling that just makes me want to throw up sometimes. Uh, but anyway, you can find me on Twitter at Matiasu.
0: Very nice. You can find me at Stefan school. You can follow all of us at Pod on Twitter and Facebook. If you want to subscribe to this podcast, please do that via iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, uh, YouTube, of course, uh, etc. And uh, yeah, I hope you all uh, have an awesome 2022. And we're all looking forward to... Uh, a bunch more episodes <laughs> unless of course that one lose six to three uh then i think it's just going to fall apart and there's not going to be a yellow apart since i would completely be disintegrating but uh i don't think that's going to happen so matthias uh once again for thank you for your time and thanks for uh coming on yet again to uh you know discuss bruce.mo with me was it more fun than I anticipated going into this episode? Yeah, I know. Um, I was
1: looking at uh, our, our timeline and I'm like, wow, this is actually, we've had a lot to talk about. None of it has been fluff.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, that sort of uh, also lies in the, bee, uh, in, in the ears of the beholder, if you will. But uh, yeah, as always, everyone out there, thank you for listening. We shall be back next week with a review of the Frankfurt game and I think a preview of the Freiburg game. If I'm not entirely wrong. And, uh, yeah, until then, goodbye.